on today's episode of Mile Higher. The very mysterious disappearance of Kenny Veach. Not much is actually known about Kenny's childhood and early life. We know that Kenny was raised hiking, which spurred a lifelong love for the outdoors. Why not bring like a GPS tracker out there, you know, like some type of Garmin device? Well, he liked to push himself to the limits. Definitely something dangerous. Because everybody's like, oh, well, maybe just skip to Mexico. And it's like, sure, it's always a possibility. But like, how do you get there? You'd have to mm -hmm. figure out a way to get there. And I highly doubt this person actually knew about the M-Cave and had any inside knowledge. Why would somebody just leave that evidence there? That'd Why not strange. take it with them or just throw the phone down the mine shaft? From the outside looking in, I'd think, well, wouldn't he have left a note or something? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 269. I am Kendall. And I'm your host, Josh. We're joined in the studio by Janelle and Julie, our producers. What up? Hi, ladies. Welcome back. Good to be back. We actually missed last week. Uh, so sorry about that, guys. We had a little bit of a COVID outbreak in the office. We had to close down shop. When we have three or more people go down, safety comes first. So... We're sorry we missed our first Thursday upload last week, but here we are. It's Thursday. Happy Thursday, everyone. And we've got a very interesting case for you we today. We do. Um, this case, we're going to be talking about the M Cave and the mysterious disappearance of Kenny Veach. And there's so many different theories and a lot to go over here today. So it's going to be um, pretty interesting. Kenny is still missing to this day. He disappeared in the Mojave Desert yep. outside of Las Vegas, never mm -hmm. to be seen again near fairly close to area 51 yeah that whole area so there's that kind of adds an interesting element so to many things. theories of what could have happened to him mm -hmm. and the fact that he was a youtuber is all, also makes this a lot more intriguing uh, there's quite a few videos of him and he actually yeah. would you know record himself going out into the desert on these these expeditions which he did alone um yeah. which is not always the best best thing to do but yeah he was a very um adventurous and brave person absolutely Live life kind of on the edge. I would say so. I mean, it's kind of a just one of those people who kind of seeks that adrenaline and yeah, just totally. adventurous. I mean, just wanted to explore, mm -hmm. explore the desert. Yeah, and he seems like a really good guy. Um, I'm excited to tell you guys all about him because he just seemed like a really interesting person. Um, but before we do, we wanted to quickly mention uh, where we were last week. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to briefly touch on that. We got the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. and attend the NECMEC Gala, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, who, as many of you know, we have um, partnered with and uh, created a campaign. And we have just reached um, almost $220,000 raised for them. So thank you to everyone who has supported that. It was fantastic to go out and meet their team. We got to go get a tour of the headquarters with their ceo michelle she was fantastic very cool everyone we met was just so so such wonderful humans that work there and are so passionate and dedicated to what they do there were so many people wearing our merch in the office which was really cool and just getting to see the impact that you know all of our audience has had on NECMEC and what they're doing was really cool to get a grasp of everything in person their scope of work is truly amazing. They do so, so much more than people realize. And we got to learn all about 
several different areas that they're focusing on. And we hope to, you know, share some of those things with you guys in the upcoming Yeah, we'll definitely do months, a years. kind of a full length episode, maybe with somebody from NECMEC and really go yeah. into deep, uh, a lot of detail on what they do on a day-to-day basis because mm-hmm. it truly is amazing. And it's, it's very, very difficult work it is. Uh, that they do. Mm-hmm. Very important work. Yeah, we actually got to sit down and get a full explanation of how they create the um, age-progressed images, and that was very, very interesting. They can actually turn one of those out in eight hours, which I thought was so impressive. They showed us their whole process for how they do that, and um, we got to meet so many amazing families who have been impacted by the work that NECMEC does when we were at the Hope Gala, and many of them you know, won Hope Awards. We got to meet. We got to meet Elizabeth Smart. That yeah, was Elizabeth really cool. Smart, that was really cool. She, I mean, her story is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And she's just such a warrior and survivor and advocate now. I mean, the work that she's doing is also amazing. Um, we got to meet John Walsh. That yep. was really cool. He founder of mm-hmm. NECMEC, if you didn't mm-hmm. know. Yep. Also, he hosted America's Most Wanted. He's got mm-hmm. another uh, show that he hosts on uh, yeah. on patrol i think yeah with his son cal yeah. who we also got to meet he was wonderful um it's called no it's called in pursuit with john walsh yeah but it's that's like a i, I think it's on on patrol it's like a another show oh. i think yeah it's like a segment another show i think i could be okay. wrong but yeah well very very cool experience and we can't wait to you know expand our work with neck and tell you guys more about what they're doing and i wanted to quickly shout out our neck merch we have a fall collection out right now. I am wearing one of our green long sleeves. This is all available at milehairmerch.com and 100% of the proceeds is uh, donated directly to our NECMEC campaign. Yeah, it says so every child sure deserves a safe childhood. Yeah, that's their uh, motto. I love it. Yeah. Really yeah. cool. So great time. And Washington, D.C. was really cool. It was nice to spend some time together and explore. Yeah, for we how much we've talked about the government over the years mm-hmm. and all the different places <laughs> and stuff, it was yeah, it was great to finally lay eyes on on all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was your first time there. Yeah, it was my first time there. We did a Segway tour. That was cool. And then I took her to the National Law Enforcement Museum. We got to do yes. a, a, a actual training simulator together. I mm-hmm. wish we could have filmed it, but we did it together, and that was really mm-hmm. really cool. I, I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. Yeah, it was very interesting. Like put ourselves in the shoes of police officers responding mm-hmm. to a scene where you have a, a suspect that's unpredictable. And basically we had an ATF firearms instructor who was running the simulator for us. And so he could change what the person actually did in the mm-hmm. the simulator. And we had to react to it. We actually were holding um, training weapons. And that was my first time holding a and gun. And she actually, yeah, she pulled the trigger. The guy charged mm-hmm. us with a knife and Kendall... Uh, uh, took his head off and so yeah it was it was pretty <laughs> yeah it was interesting learning about interesting. how they uh and de-escalation and just, you know you know we, mm-hmm. we were really talking about use of force and how important it is to train officers on you know when it's appropriate to use force and mm-hmm. and de-escalate suspects and and people so that things don't get to that point where an officer has to use his firearm and yeah to take down a suspect but that was really interesting stuff yeah great trip Got to we'll definitely Josh's be back birthday. though. Yeah. Fun. Yep. Yep. 31. Anyway, are you ready to jump into things here? I am ready to jump into things real, real quick though. We haven't mentioned uh, our CBD company in a while, but Higher Love Wellness is running a bunch of sales right now from 20% off to 50% off on select items across the board. We have oils, tinctures, topicals, gummies, 
you name it, we've got it. It's on sale right now, higherlovewellness.com. But let's go ahead and jump into the very mysterious disappearance of Kenny Veach, a.k.a. Snakebit McGee, as he was known on YouTube. So Kenneth Lee Veach was born in November of 1966 to his parents, Shirley and Ted Veach. And he grew up in the desert just outside of Las Vegas. Not much is actually known about Kenny's childhood and early life. But what we do know is he was the youngest and he has a brother named Raymond as well as another brother. We know that Kenny was raised hiking on the Sheep Mountain Range, which spurred a lifelong love for the outdoors. And he was very passionate about nature and wildlife. Kenny had always been an avid hiker, an outdoor enthusiast, and more than anything else, he loved the desert. Where most people looked out and saw a vast expanse of nothingness, Kenny saw life, beauty, and adventure. Each rock, plant, and animal, big or small, was an opportunity to learn more about the earth. And Kenny had an eye for the smaller things that people would usually miss. He collected seed pods, bones, old trinkets, and car parts on his hikes and decorated his house with them. He also had a pet tarantula named Tulip, which I absolutely love that name. Kenny was definitely the cowboy type, and this really reflected in his style and personality. And speaking of personality, Kenny had lots of it. Just from the video clips I've seen of him, I really love Kenny. He seemed like an amazing person, just very interesting and warm. He was the kind of person that people were easily drawn to. He was fun-loving, super funny, and always smiling. One thing that you'll notice about Kenny is that he has lots of energy and passion for life. I mean, to do the hikes into the desert like this guy yeah. did definitely takes something, definitely a different breed. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. wouldn't do a lot of the things that he did. I know. He was very ballsy and he was a doer for sure. And it helped that he was a clever sort of guy who was interested in lots of different subjects. He really was a man of many talents and hobbies. He was very well-rounded. He liked to hike off grid, explore deserted towns and mines, search through caves, uh, martial arts, camping, survival, art and design, all sorts of different things. But sadly, Kenny's life was not without tragedy. When Kenny was in his 20s, his father shot himself and Kenny was the one that discovered his body. And as you can imagine, that would be just extremely traumatized. Yes, I really can't even imagine being in that position. Um, and really affected his life. But there were a lot of bright spots in his life as well. Kenny had a daughter named Victoria, who he absolutely adored. He also had a girlfriend named Sharon Pilgrim, who he met at a Western dance hall, and they dated for seven years. And Sharon considered Kenny to be her best friend and adventure buddy. She said she knew him better than anybody. And according to Sharon, Kenny wasn't close with his family. For example, she said that Kenny hadn't spoken to his brother Raymond in 10 years, and that was always disappointing to Kenny. But he and Sharon really just love the outdoors. They'd go out hiking and camping all the time. They'd frequently take day-long hikes that lasted nine or 10 hours. And they were a great hiking duo, but Sharon was definitely the more cautious of the two. When Kenny hiked, he made sure to practice some safety measures like wearing sunproof clothing and snake guards, but he also had some very unsafe practices. He liked to push himself to the limit so he could see just how far his body would go like going hiking and consuming food and water as if he was rationing it. So what he do is he bring a bottle of water and only take a sip when he was very, very thirsty, which given the exhausting nature of desert hiking in the hot sun, this was very risky. And he said that he did this so that he would know at what point 
to panic if he ever was in the situation where he was lost or something happened and he didn't have water. That's the way he like kind of justified yeah. is like this is like prepping me, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mm -hmm. really you know work that way. Well, he liked to push himself to the limits, but definitely something dangerous that we do not suggest doing. Because the brain signals thirst when you're already dehydrated, not about to be. So many hikers are found dead of severe dehydration with water still in their water bottles because when the body starts shutting down, it can't really be undone. Kenny also loved to do another very dangerous outdoor activity, and that is spelunking or exploring caves. There are a lot of caves and abandoned mines in the deserts outside of Vegas, so there's plenty of places for Kenny to explore. But with this, where the rock is more prone to shifting and falling, the risks are a whole lot greater. Usually, Kenny wore snake guards while hiking to keep snakes from biting his ankles. But despite this, he'd still, you know, if he ran across a rattlesnake, he'd bend down, pick it up, and play with it uh, for a little while. And most of the time, Kenny walked away unharmed. But once he was bitten in his arm by a Mojave Sidewinder, which is a venomous rattlesnake, and he had to be hospitalized for 24 hours, and get this, he was given 19 vials of anti-venom. That's crazy. Yeah, he loved rattlesnakes. Sharon can tell many other stories about Kenny's wild side and the trouble that it got him into sometimes. Like the time in Mount Charleston where he fell 20 feet off a tree or attempting to backflip off a truck bed. Or how Kenny once broke a bone running on the tops of stadium chairs. And then there was a time during his 20s when Kenny was hiking on Sunrise Mountain, became dehydrated and exhausted and needed to be picked up by search and rescue helicopter. Everyone knew that Kenny loved to live life on the edge. So his next move seemed in line with that sort of risk-taking behavior. Kenny had worked as a service technician for a coffee company known as Farmer Brother Coffee Co. since 1996, so 17 years. But around 2013, he quit his job to live the life that he really wanted to live. And that involved making inventions, which reminds me a lot of somebody else we, we've covered on, I know. on this podcast. Yes. You thinking uh, Richard Heaney? Richard Heaney. They, yeah, they yeah. kind of give you similar mm -hmm. similar vibes. Similar vibes. Very different. Very though. different. Yeah. Richard Heaney. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to compare out, him exactly to him. A little out there. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that uh, spirit for creating new things and that like enthusiasm for life. Definitely. So Kenny was really big on creating inventions and he would make video pitches for these inventions and post them on his YouTube channel. Here's some of those. My name is Kenny Beach, and I invented the new improved toilet paper roll holder for the household. Uh, it works great, and it's my own little invention, and I'm going to show you how it works. First, I'm just going to demonstrate it. When you run out of a roll paper, you've got two decorative knobs. Everything looks like a regular one, except it'll be like that. Um, and then it runs out. You just pull that, put the other one in, and let go. And it, right now, it's not precise because I used hand tools, but you get the picture. It works, it works perfect and it's beautiful. And that that's it right there. That's the new improved toilet paper roll. Hello, my name is Kenny Veach <laughs> and I am the inventor of the Glowler Bear. The polar I bear I designed from scratch and I sewed it with a needle and thread and um, I filled it with these glow-in-the-dark beads. When you're looking at the Glowler Bear glowing, all you see right through the material, and almost all you can see is the glowing green beads in the shape of a polar bear. Very unique. So the child gets all of that with with the iceberg that he sits on, and it's just a wonderful little thing. And that's it for now. I certainly hope I hear from you, and 
we'll talk. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. How cute is he? I love him. I love that he he set up the clock, the um yeah, background really and everything. Yeah, and he's like pitches. so passionate about it. the glower bear. It's just I love it. So love these video clips were actually for Shark Tank mm-hmm. because obviously for all of us who've seen Shark Tank, I mean it's a really cool show, and who wouldn't want to be on Shark Tank, right? Mm-hmm. He so, was a big fan of Shark Tank. Yeah, Him and Sharon would watch it all the time together, and yeah, and I mean he really was just set on becoming a successful inventor. I mean, that was really what his passion was. And he wanted to open up his own interior decorating business named Cowboy Designs, because, which we'll show you some pictures a little bit later, but his house was very much Cowboy Designs. Yeah, definitely. But here are some more of his Shark Tank pitches, which he put on YouTube. Oh, people of Shark Tank, my name is Kenny Beach. And get ready, because I'm going to show you a few things about myself. And I'm going to let you know just what I do, what I am, and and how much I enjoy life and and how I go about doing that. I am an artist, I'm an adventurer, and I am an inventor. And I take all those three talents and I combine them and I just create, create, create. So one of my inventing things that I love to do is just come up with things in my head and then make it, you know, put it to put it to use. So I'm just going to go through and show you a few things. This is this is called my glower bear. Now I'm, uh, I'm just going to show you some things, but I'm not going to show you the whole thing and entice you. So this is a great idea, but you get to see this when you get to see me. Actually, very cool. And I'll show you that real close. Dun, da, da, da. It's very heavy because it used to be a steel bar, just a steel bar. And I bent it into a circle and cut it. And I took yarn and I wrapped it and wrapped it and wrapped it until I got all those colors like you see there. And then I took uh, fishing wire and I ran that all the way across my yard uh, or house and then I sewed it and sewed it and sewed it through this medallion that I sanded and I got this shirt and I made it as my design. <laughs> I love it. Thou shall not stone. get stone. I think that would sell. It's got kind of a political and religious twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The lambda, lambda. Uh, I love this lamb. He's so cool. Lambda, lambda, lambda. And I turned this into a, a super cool laser tag game that is not out there. And it does something very, very interesting. Once you see what this does, you're going to be very fascinated. This is, uh, this is a pine stick from the uh, Nevada mountains here, the Sierra Nevada mountains. Now watch this. So that's pretty cool, huh? I made that, made it nice and comfortable. I could sell a million of those babies. Million. Wow. The passion. I love it. I just, I love him so much. I mean, his energy is just so good. The lambda, 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 lamb. So good. So good. I mean, and what a talented creator he is, Mm -hmm. like truly. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's able to take scraps of trash, basically, and then turn into something cool and unique and... And all Actually types of different purpose. things, yeah, you know, just yeah. totally off the wall. He just had such an interesting mind. And you could kind of see from that clip his his decorating. It's mm-hmm. just filled with everything, yep. everything desert, everything Western. And a lot of it he I had collected it. himself. I think almost everything in there. Yeah. Nothing's from uh, Hobby Lobby in there, for sure. <laughs> the cowboy section. <laughs> yeah. God. Did you know that 80% of people have subscriptions that they are paying for still? that they've completely forgotten about. I was one of those 80%. And I gotta say, when I found out how many subscriptions I was paying for that I didn't actually use anymore, 
my jaw dropped out of my mouth. I was like, how did I not know about this? Well, probably because in this day and age, everything is a subscription pretty much. So it's very easy to have like 20 subscriptions going and then to go and manage those is just a complete pain and cancel them. Well, that's a whole other story, but that all ended when I started using rocket money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It also monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel those subscriptions that you don't want to use anymore with just the press of a button. No getting on the company's chat or calling a phone number and sitting on hold. It's really that easy with Rocket Money. It's just a tap of a button and Rocket Money does all the work for you. Rocket Money will even help you negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20% off. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill. And again, Rocket Money takes care of the rest. This is a really nice feature that I've not seen anywhere else. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits, which is great for making sure you stay in your budget. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved an average of $720 a year. It's free to get started, and I personally pay for the premium subscription, and I love Rocket Money. I use my Rocket Money app every day. I also get all the email notifications that it sends me and the push notifications to my phone. And it really helps me keep track of my finances better than I ever have before. Plus negotiating my bills down major win there and you can monitor your credit. It really is the all in one personal finance app. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash mile higher. That's rocketmoney.com slash mile higher. Check it out today at rocketmoney.com slash mile higher. So Kenny lived with Sharon for three years before he bought his own house in 2009 in North Las Vegas. And after that, the two of them lived together, both at her house and his, and his house would also double as an investment property. And Kenny was so excited to have a place to call his own. He carefully decorated it to be cowboy and Western themed as we've gone over. And inside the house, you could see Kenny's amazing attention to detail. The house was his pride and joy. He hoped that his inventions would take off so he could earn a living that way. But he'd spent nearly all his retirement on these projects. And now he was running out of money. In fact, Kenny spent most of, if not all of, his retirement fund on his inventions. After a year of being technically unemployed, he didn't have a whole lot left in his bank account. So he had to look for another way to keep himself afloat financially. So he decided to sell his house. And given how much he loved that house and how much time he put into it, this couldn't have been an easy decision. And of course, no one wants to have to sell their home to pay their bills. And it's easy to imagine that Kenny didn't want to part with his home. So being the kind of out of the box thinker that he was, he hatched a plan to sort of have his cake and eat it too. On September 2nd, 2014, Kenny uploaded a video to Snake Bit McGee titled Handsome Cowboy Sells Himself With His Home. The description of this hour-long video read, Las Vegas man selling beautiful vacation home in unique auction-style fashion. So here are some clips from that video. Hi, my name is Kenny, and I have an offer. A proposal, if you will. So what I plan on doing is selling this home in a unique, kind of an unusual fashion, um, out of the ordinary, because I'm a kind of guy that likes to think outside of the box. And I'm putting this house up for sale along with me. I'm offering myself along with the house. So that's the niche, that's the unusual <laughs> thing right there. I'm looking for, oh, 
wealthy individual that would like to keep this home as a vacation home. Um, somebody who wouldn't mind coming to Vegas and throwing parties in a gorgeous home and uh, hanging out here for a few months or whatnot, as long as they want or as little time as they want. And along with it, I am selling, this is the, this is the unusual part, the unique part, I like to think, and I'm selling myself with the home. What I mean by that is I would become a caretaker, a, an all-around caretaker, uh, kind of like Alice from the Brady Bunch. She took care of all those kids' needs, along with the cooking and the cleaning and, and the, all the things that she did. Um, the only thing I wouldn't do is wear the blue dress. <laughs> I just love him. I know. It's oh, an interesting idea. Well, unfortunately, doesn't look like Kenny really got any offers on his unique offer. Kenny's financial problems seemed to take a big toll on him, and his daughter Victoria said that he was usually very upbeat when she talked to him, but in recent months, he seemed more down and sad. Kenny continued to upload on YouTube as well, and he also made comments on other people's videos, and one comment in particular was the beginning of the Legend of the M Cave that we're going to be talking about today. Kenny left that comment specifically on a video from Dr. Stephen Greer, who we have talked about on this show many times. It was a video titled, Area 51 Technician's Son Discloses Secret Alternative Energy. The comment read, This ain't nothing. I'm a long-distance hiker. One time during one of my hikes out by Nell's Air Force Base, I found a hidden cave. The entrance to the cave was shaped like a perfect capital M. I always enter every cave I find, but as I began to enter this particular cave, my whole body began to vibrate. The closer I got to the cave entrance, the worse the vibrating became. Suddenly, I became very scared and I hightailed it out of there. That was one of the strangest things that ever happened to me. And immediately, a lot of commenters were intrigued, but as you can probably imagine, a lot of commenters were also calling bullshit, basically saying pics or it didn't happen. Then three months later, Kenny commented on the same Area 51 video comment thread saying, no, I solo hike across mountaintops that most people wouldn't dare go. I've been in more caves than I can count. I play with rattlesnakes for fun, but this one particular cave was beyond anything I'd ever encountered. Someday I will go back and I will bring a weapon with me. All I had at the time was a knife and a wrist rocket. Another comment of his said, Thanks. I've been doing this sort of thing for over 20 years. I go where no one goes, and I never take anyone with me. I find skulls of all shapes and sizes, and occasionally I find really old animal traps. I hike over mountaintop after mountaintop and sleep on peaks under the stars. Sometimes I have to scale giant cliffs to get myself out of a jam, but I always make it back. I'm beat up and tired, and my pack is almost always heavier than when I left. I had to be rescued only one time by a helicopter. I had blown out out my left leg at the top of a mountain, and I only had a cup of water left to get me 20 miles back to my truck. It was also over 100 degrees out. I have a very good safety record. People kept replying, basically telling Kenny to go back to the cave and get proof of it. People were sort of egging him on to go and find it again. And it looks like those comments worked on him. It seemed like Kenny wanted to prove something now. A month later, Kenny commented, I am going back. I have a very nice video camera, and I'm not into filming blurry images of the ground. I will film what I saw. I can't say that it will be interesting. Maybe it's just a strange looking cave that has a mountain lion living in it. It should be sometime this week. I will have my 9mm with me this time, just in case. Last time I was unarmed. It's a 10 hour hike. No trails. 
very dangerous terrain. The mountain is located right next to a bombing range. I have found some giant empty rounds of ammo before. I have just been waiting for the Vegas weather to cool down. It's not the kind of hike one would do in the summer. I hope it turns out to be something crazy. That would be so cool. Then he posted another comment from the same month. I got back from a 10-hour hike yesterday. I completely searched the whole damned canyon. I could not relocate the cave. I found a tarantula and a tortoise and a ram, but I could not find the cave. I don't know if you've ever climbed up and down a mountain for 10 hours, but it wore me out. All I got out of it were some nice photos and a big bag full of pinion nuts. This is the perfect time of year to find pinion nuts. Thanks for asking. On October 17, 2014, Kenny posted that infamous video to his YouTube channel titled M Cave Hike. The description of the video reads simply, searching for a weird cave that it came across on a previous hike. The 22-minute video documents Kenny on a hike trying to find the mysterious M Cave that he referenced in the comments. He searches throughout the day, but he doesn't find the cave. Here are some clips from that video. Well, here I am on my hike up here in the mountains north of Las Vegas. My mission today is to uh, just do a one-day hike. It's about a 10-hour hike. Um, I got to still go over another ridge and then go all the way down uh, a big crevice that's real narrow and gets kind of scary. Uh, and uh, I'm looking for a cave that I, I found, and I didn't have a I didn't have a sidearm when I was here before, and something about that cave just spooked me out of all the caves I've ever gone in. This one just made my body vibrate. The closer I got to it, the crazier my body felt, and I was like, all right, I'm not going to go in there right now, but I'm coming back someday. And I talked to some people on YouTube, and I told them, hey, I'm coming out here, you know, because they, they kind of called my hand on it. So I don't know if there's going to be anything to it, but it, it might be interesting. Uh, if I can find it, I got to relocate it, and this is a big mountain range I'm in. And uh, I'm not, I'm on foot, you know, my truck's way out there. There's no roads, there's no trails. It's a pretty rough terrain. So uh, hopefully I'll find it. It's shaped like a big M. It's a big cave that looks just like a gigantic M. And it's about as tall as I am and kind of narrow. And uh, it's stuck on the side of a mountain. Uh, so I hope I can find it again. And if, if I do, I'm, I'm going in there. I'm going to put on my light and take my gun out and walk in there, see if I find anything. We'll see. And then uh, there's lots of little caves. Um, but they're, you know, they're not the kind of cave I'm looking for. The kind of cave I'm looking for is, is deep and it's dark and it's, uh, it's, it's shaped like, a, it's, it's shaped just like the letter M. So lots of little caves and stuff along here. And it's about, it's about level with the ground, like, like right, like in an area like this. So I really got to keep my eyes peeled because I don't want to pass it. Yeah. And then there's caves like that. It all looks like. Don't, I'm not going up there. And there's caves. There's actually caves all over the place up here. It's kind of a, it's a really cool place if you're in. If you want to come spelunking, this is the place to come spelunking, man. So that video was filmed about five weeks before Kenny disappeared, which is approximately October 10th, according to Sharon, and it was uploaded two weeks after it was filmed. On November 28th, 2021, Sharon posted previously unseen footage from that MK hike video to her YouTube channel. She found the video after he disappeared, and it's unknown 
why he didn't include this part in his upload. So, I didn't find the cave. I'm real happy about that. No, it was there. It's kind of, I mean, it's a big, it's a big freaking mountain range. It's a big, it's a big giant mountain range. I just walked around a whole mountain range. Let's see if I can my legs hurt. Um, way, 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 way. Uh, I started obviously from here and then I walked out all along that whole canyon over that and then down that side and then I walked after I went down um, I went down and then I traveled all the way after in the canyon all the way across the backside of that mountain and that is one large mountain range and then I traveled all the way down and around this and then I came up from down there and then I came all the way up here to my truck so I'm gonna go check out my map and find out how far I've hiked just now see what time it is talk to you later pretty impressive that is a serious hike um, I am curious as to and maybe and I'm sure it's probably due to money but why not bring like a GPS tracker out there, you know, like some type of Garmin device or, yeah. you know. Are those pretty expensive? I mean, you can get them for $100. I mean, they're not super expensive. Hmm. They range in price, but I'm curious. I mean, for somebody who does so many hikes out there, I mean, I know I would have probably like at least tracked it through GPS coordinates or along the area. So you know where you've been and then you know where to go next time and kind of map it out a little bit more. But he's just kind of like, blindly going into one direction then he's like i'll circle around that come back yeah. the other way so i don't know with the busy fall season already in swing you might be looking for wholesome convenient meals for jam-packed days i know i am always looking for meal alternatives especially for lunches at the office factor america's number one ready to eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef prepared dietitian approved ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door you'll save time eat well and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle because sometimes you're just too busy to cook but you want to make sure you're still eating a wholesome nutritious meal with factor you can choose from over 34 plus weekly recipes so there is definitely something for everybody you can level up with gourmet plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time treat yourself to some upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. I'm a huge fan of their Protein Plus meals, which pack over 30 grams of protein or more per serving. In addition to those fresh meals, they also have 45 plus add-ons to replenish that snack supply, including breakfast items like their delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery missions, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. So head over to factormeals.com slash milehar50 and use code milehar50 to get 50% off. 
That's code MileHar50 at factormeals.com slash MileHar50 to get 50% off. Many people report that the M-Cave hike was Kenny's last video uploaded to YouTube, but that's actually not the case. It was his second of five videos total. There were three that he posted after it, all on October 18th, the next day. And those videos were the Shark Tank submission, the Glowler Bear, and the TP Holder pitch. And again, the first video that he posted was the video of him selling his house, which was posted on September 2nd, 2014. Finally, there was this comment posted a month after the last one. Going again this weekend, I will be hiking solo for three days. I plan on covering about 40 miles. I will cross through the same canyon where I found the cave. If I don't find it again, I will just continue hiking over mountain after mountain to the north of the canyon. I dare any of the people that like to run their mouths on here to join me. My hikes are brutal on the body. After one of my long hikes, some of my toenails turn black and fall off. I lose about 13 pounds of body weight. It takes me about three days to recover from the abuse I put myself through. But I love every minute of it. There is no guarantee that I will find the cave again. The region that I cover is vast. There are many caves. I have been in hundreds of them. The M cave is the only cave I ever feared going inside. I really want to find it again. And there is one reply from a YouTube commenter that's kind of eerie given what happens later on. This comment is from a user named let me kill mister. And it reads, no, don't go back there. If you find a cave entrance, don't go in. If you do, you won't get out. Kenny replied and said, what makes you say that? But Kenny didn't get a reply. And what happened that November makes this comment pretty ominous. So do you think this commenter really knew anything or are they just trolling him? I don't know. It's YouTube comments. If I had to take a wild guess it's just trolling him. i think so too i mean because people say this kind of stuff all the time yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of not feeding into it yeah yeah i highly doubt this person actually knew about the m cave and had any inside knowledge but who knows you never know you never know on november 9th 2014 kenny and sharon attended a showing of the birdman at a movie theater in las vegas after the movie kenny told sharon that he was going to go camping in the mountains north of his house for two nights starting the next morning and just a side note, if you've ever seen the movie The Birdman. Spoiler alert, by the way. Spoiler alert, yes. At the end of the movie, Michael Keaton's character attempts to commit suicide by shooting himself. So another very eerie kind of clue, potentially. She told Kenny to text her before he headed out, and he agreed. Sharon last saw Kenny in person at 10 p.m. that night when they left the movie theater. In fact, this is the last time that anyone saw Kenny Veach in person. She said he was wearing casual clothes, blue jeans, and a white shirt. The next morning, 6 a.m. on the 10th, Kenny texted Sharon that he was heading out for his camping trip. And this would be the last time anyone is confirmed to have heard from Kenny. The rest of that day went by and the rest of the next day too, and Sharon didn't hear from Kenny. Nobody did. But Sharon wasn't expecting to hear from him for those first two days as there was no cell service out in the desert mountains. She was used to Kenny going off on these multi-day hikes and not hearing from him because he was off the grid. But that third day rolled around and Kenny hadn't reached out to her and he was supposed to be home at some point that day. Now this is where things get a little bit confusing. Sharon said in one YouTube comment that she contacted the authorities on that third day after Kenny first went hiking. But other sources indicate that Sharon reported Kenny missing on November 17, 2014 at 4.52 p.m. and searches started the next day. Sunset at that date was around 5 p.m. so it would have been dark and searchers couldn't have started looking for Kenny until the following morning. 
There is a copy of the police report we found, but we can't 100% confirm its authenticity. But part of the narrative section of this report mentions the alleged suicidal comments Kenny made three weeks before he went missing. It says that after these comments, quote, Pilgrim told Veach he has to contact her every five days or she would call the police for a welfare check. Veach has continuously called since then. When Pilgrim had not received contact five days after the day he was supposed to be home, she called the police. So this might explain the gap in between Kenny starting his hike and Sharon reporting him missing. It's also important to note that this report says that, quote, Veach is Pilgrim's ex-boyfriend, former cohabitant, and they have had continual contact over seven years to include regularly hiking. So whether or not they were officially dating at this time seems more or less unclear. So on November 17th, when Kenny didn't reach out and Sharon couldn't get a hold of him, she called authorities and reported Kenny missing. The police began to search for Kenny on the 18th, the day after Kenny was reported missing. The Red Rock search and rescue began their search that morning. Over 30 search and rescue team members searched on foot for at least four separate times on separate days. A helicopter flyover was done as well. Sharon told investigators where Kenny's truck probably would be, which was the hiking area near his home. Sure enough, his truck was recovered in this recreation area north of Las Vegas at the end of Joe May Road. This location was a three to four hour hike from the mine shaft in Kenny's MK video. It seems pretty likely that the police searched the car and found nothing of interest inside. No note, no gun. But we don't know exactly what was found inside the car, and it looks like it was driven out of the hiking area by Raymond and given to Victoria. On the 22nd, four days after the search started, Kenny's phone was found. It was actually found on the ground near the abandoned mine shaft. The phone was still working. Investigators also found some change near the phone, but it's unclear whether or not that belonged to Kenny. The search team could not find a trail leading anywhere past the very vertical mine shaft. The day after they found the cell phone, fire crews searched the vertical mine shaft using a camera, but there was no sign of Kenny in the shaft. Private searchers checked the shaft later, but again, they found nothing. Why do you think the phone was found there? Do you think it was just like, oops, it slipped out? It seemed like it was placed there intentionally the way that it was sitting. Yeah. But and who knows? Sharon said that the type of pants he was wearing like that would mm-hmm. be very unlikely that it would just fall out. I guess the pockets were pretty deep. Yeah. yeah it looks like, like he wore like army, mm-hmm. you know, surplus mm-hmm. pants that mm-hmm. have big deep pockets. So un- I mean, unless he was like crawling around on the ground or something or maybe he was like leaning to look into the mine shaft or something and it fell out. Yeah. Something like that. But I feel like he would have heard his phone fell out, mm-hmm. uh, fall out and the change would have probably made a noise too. It seems to me like it was intentionally placed there. Yeah, that's also what his sister-in-law believes. Because it's like well. if he was attacked there, why would somebody just leave that evidence there? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That'd why be not strange. take it with him or just throw the phone down the mine shaft and get rid of it? Yeah, that's a good point. You Complete. could literally just take it and smash it with your foot. Yeah. I mean, it's an iPhone. It's right. not... Right. Yeah, you can drop a tiny pebble on it and the glass will break. (laughs) Yep. True. Or just drop it out of your pocket and it breaks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it seems most likely that Kenny placed it on the ground there. Yeah. And many people, including Sharon, believe that he intentionally left it there to prevent GPS from tracking him, which is interesting to think about. There's definitely a, a theory going on here that he purposely left and it's possible. He did not take his camera that he used to film with him. This was recovered at his house. So it appears he did not set out on the hike that day with the intention to film it. 
This makes things a bit more confusing. Was the intention of his hike to find the M cave? If the cave existed, or if he was intending on finding it, he would no doubt bring his camera, obviously to film proof for YouTube and prove all those people wrong in the comments. This fact forces us to ask the question, if Kenny wasn't going to look for the M cave, why did he go out on that hike? And there's another important thing to mention. Kenny brought his gun on this last camping trip, and the gun was not recovered. Not in his car, in his home, in the search area, nowhere. None of these searches found any trace of Kenny beyond the phone in the car. No abandoned campsites, his items, or anything like that. As time went on, phones were recovered, but these were determined not to belong to Kenny. His credit cards, social security number, and other things like that have never been touched since he disappeared. Which that right there, I think, tells you a lot about what's the most likely scenario of what happened to Kenny. Because maybe it is very difficult to just disappear and not have any way to pay for anything. Yeah. Not be able, you know, not be no, able to use true. your social security number. Because everybody's like, oh, well, maybe just skip to Mexico. And it's like, sure, it's always a possibility. But like, how do you get there? You'd have to figure mm-hmm. out a way to get there. And and even then, how you know, you still got to figure out how to get into Mexico. So it gets harder and harder to disappear yeah, on purpose. Right. Yeah. Like that is not really an easy thing to do anymore, at least. Yeah, in today's day and age. I think the key thing here is the fact that his firearm's never been found. That he took his weapon with him and that's yeah, that not is turned up. But know. his phone turned up, but not his gun. Mm-hmm. So I think like, there's always the possibility that it was on him, like, you know, kept it on his side and he's never been found so it would then make sense that the firearm's not found but then why wasn't why was the phone found like you know if he was kind of i don't know it's just it it does seem maybe he was i what i think is that he tried to make it look like potentially went into that mine shaft yeah and that's Mm -hmm. what he was trying to like lay the clues down there that he fell in there Mm -hmm. and so people would think that that's what happened to him but or he put his phone there so that they couldn't track him Right. Like he put it there and then went off somewhere else. Yeah. True, true. I just think it's interesting that it's near a mine shaft. Yeah. Versus just like out in the middle of a bunch of rocks and shrubbery. You know what I mean? Just some random place. It's mm-hmm. interesting to me that it's near that that mine shaft. But maybe maybe there's no connection between the two. But about a year after Kenny went missing, Sharon posted a comment on one of Kenny's YouTube videos. She had no idea that so many people had been commenting on Kenny's post trying to figure out what had happened to him. And after a friend let her know, Sharon decided to update commenters with her theory as to what happened to give them some sort of closure. She believes that sadly, Kenny died by suicide in the desert. She also said she thinks he will never be found for many, many months, if ever. We are so excited to have ZocDoc as a sponsor of our show. We have been using ZocDoc personally since before they started sponsoring us. And I can tell you from experience that it is a great app and an amazing solution if you are looking for a doctor that is available on your time, takes your insurance, you know, hits all the boxes. These days, I don't really do anything without checking reviews on it first. And why would it be any different with doctors? ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top rated patient reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones that take your insurance, are located near you and treat almost every condition you're searching for. And all of these docs have verified reviews from actual real patients, not bots. And what's great is the average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is only 24 to 48 hours. That's it. 
Sometimes you can even score same-day appointments. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately with just a few app taps. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with the receptionist. So go to ZocDoc.com slash milehigher and download the ZocDoc app for free and then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That is ZocDoc spelled Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash milehigher. ZocDoc.com slash milehigher. Before we go any further, we do want to issue a trigger warning. We are going to be talking about suicide, suicidal ideation, and it can be pretty difficult to listen to. So just keep that in mind. So here is a very long comment that Sharon left. Um, And this is what it says. I am the girlfriend that Kenny spoke of in the video. There are so many posts. I had no idea until a friend let me know. So many people are wondering what happened and guessing different things. You are heartfelt about the sadness around what has happened with Kenny. He has not been found, and I feel that he probably will not be found for many, many months, if ever. I want to share what I know and feel about what happened so that you might bring some closure and understanding in your own lives. Kenny absolutely loved hiking in the desert. It was his very, very favorite thing to do. We hiked and camped together all over the Nevada desert, sometimes nine hours in a day. We found many abandoned mining towns, usually referred to as ghost towns by Nevada hikers. We explored many caves and mine shafts. We were always careful about how we explored them, but Kenny was a bit more daring than I was. We wore snake guards, sun-protected clothing, used walking sticks, brought enough water and food for the hiking hours, and had extra food water in the car. He rarely drank all of his water. We took wonderful pictures of all sorts of things we saw, rusted cars, old falling down buildings, cemeteries, mines, wild animals, tarantulas, scorpions, trees, cactus, and flowers. Our deserts are beautiful, and if you have a love for the deserts, they are not spooky scary, but you do have to be careful of the terrain and, of course, bring enough food and water. We always were excited when we saw desert wildlife, like the bighorn sheep in the video. They are stunningly beautiful to see in person in our desert. We would stand quietly still to watch them as long as possible. I was so very excited to see the one he filmed in his video. I want you to know that I do not think Kenny had an accident. I believe he committed suicide. He battled depression for many years and would not take medication or see a doctor. He quit his job a little more than a year before he disappeared. He wanted to see if he could sell his inventions and do what he called cowboy interior design for homes. He bought his first home five years ago and had an amazing ability of decorating in this style. He was not successful in getting a business going and was running out of money after a year of not working. He no longer wanted to work in a job for someone else, and as his money decreased, he became more and more depressed. He really did not look for another job. In early October, with seeing his depression increase, I said to him, You aren't going to pull a Robin Williams on me, are you? And this is when he opened up more about his depression and his thoughts much of his life about suicide. His father committed suicide when Kenny was in his early 20s. When I asked him the question, he answered me with, If I decide to do it, you will be okay because you are good at the law of allowing. He asked me what I would think of him if he did it. He also said if he decided to do it, no one will ever find me. It'd be easy to do something like this in our desert. With a number of natural caves and mines, he could hike many miles in a day, so there's no telling where or how far he could have hiked during his three-day, two-night solo hike. When he did not call me after the third day of being gone, I called missing persons. The search for him was started within a couple of days of my call, and over 30 search and rescue team members searched three different times on foot. One helicopter flyover was done, and there was no trace of Kenny or any of his camping things. They found his car in the area I told him it would be, and they did find his cell phone by the mine shaft in the video. The mine shaft was only about a four-hour hike from his car. It is my feeling he left it behind so that he could not be tracked from the GPS in it. He also did not take his video camera with him on the solo hike. It was left in his home, so he had no intention of filming anything. I share this with you for two reasons. First, so that you have more of an understanding who Kenny was and to bring some peace or understanding to the situation. Secondly, if any of you decide to go out into our desert to look for him or the M-Cave, be careful. 
and bring enough water and food. Walking sticks are a good idea and not doing a solo hike. Bring a GPS and make sure that you have let family or friends know that you're heading out for the hike and where and when you'll be returning. Our search really can't be on a one-day hike. You would be repeating much of the same hike, just getting up the mountain and then be left with not many hours in the day to do the search. You would need two or three days at a time, and in the summer, even late spring, this cannot be done because of the heat of our desert. You would not be able to carry enough water, so please, please be careful. I had many wonderful experiences with Kenny and will always remember them and have a place of love in my heart for him and the wonderful things we did together. I am healing from my loss and look forward to the new experiences with desert hiking, camping, and taking beautiful pictures of our desert. Enjoy your adventures of life and thank you for the kind, loving comments sent my way. Much love, Sharon. So as far back as 2007, Sharon had been trying to get Kenny to go to a doctor about his depression, but he always refused. Finally, about two years later, Sharon set an appointment for him, but he came back home that day and said he wasn't going to go again because he felt he knew more than they did. Kenny said that he struggled with suicidal ideation for much of his life. He explained that living with these thoughts was like living without an arm. It was something he just got used to. He was actually surprised when Sharon told him she didn't have this sort of internal monologue in her head about suicide. So Sharon accompanied the police when they came to search Kenny's home. And one officer took a look at the search history on Kenny's laptop and called Sharon over to see. And he found that before Kenny disappeared, there were multiple Google searches performed related to suicide. There was also a message on the laptop that had nothing but the phrase, help me written 50 or 60 times in a row. Pretty upsetting to think about. Police had searched the home with the family's permission, and when the family went into Kenny's house, they found more items that spoke to Kenny's mental state. That included journals and poems where Kenny talked about depression and frustration. Many people commented on Kenny's videos saying they wanted to hike the area themselves. Sharon was in contact with one of those people, someone who went by the name Eric the Hiker. He messaged her saying that he was local to Las Vegas and he was going to do a hike and search for Kenny in the area that he disappeared from. Sharon talked about this hike on YouTube and promised to keep commenters updated on what Eric found. The day of the big search came and Sharon waited anxiously to get word from Eric on the results. But days went by with Sharon tweeting at Eric multiple times and she didn't hear back from him. His Twitter and YouTube accounts then went dark. And sadly, it was discovered that this Eric person had made the whole thing up. It was all a hoax. There was no hike planned, and he never went to look for Kenny. So this person just preyed on Sharon's grief and gave her some hope that Kenny may be recovered, and it was all just a cruel trick, which is just unbelievably frustrating. There was one event that gave a glimmer of hope Kenny was still alive. On July 15, 2018, there was a break-in at a Vegas retail store called the Enchanted Forest Reiki Center. This store is owned by Kenny's sister-in-law, Debbie, who is married to his brother, Raymond. Now, police were able to recover surveillance footage of that break-in, and some of the members of the family thought the man in the footage looked an awful lot like Kenny. So here's a news clip of that footage with commentary from Debbie. Take a look here at this video. You can see the burglar makes his way in and out of the store right near Sahara and Jones in less than a minute. And as 13 Action News reporter Brian Callahan explains, it is what happened after that caught the owner's attention. Deep down, Debbie Veach just wants the man who broke into her Enchanted Forest Reiki Center to be caught, analyzing the security video for any clue to his identity. You blow up the image, the grainier the face gets. But it's what happens after the burglar smashed the window with the crowbar, grabbed an iPad, and left that caught her attention. It's not when he opens up the blinds either and leaves. It's, it's, he's already been gone. 
you know, for a little bit. What do you think it was? Veach knows the logical explanation is the break-in stirred up dust that was picked up by the camera. Seems to me if that if it was dust, that, that would have shown immediately. But says being a spiritual person, part of her wants to believe those specks are something else. All of a sudden, these, what, what I feel are very spiritual orbs that came in after he left, getting the, yeah, the bad juju out. In the end, she says the best sign would be the video helping police capture the burglar. Brian Callahan, 13 Action News. It does look like Kenny. And the way he moves, you can't say, obviously, with a 100% yeah. certainty, but it's it's pretty interesting that it's his sister-in-law's store. But, like, why, what was the purpose of breaking in then? I don't know. So here's a few more details about this footage. Um, the entire break-in takes place in 42 seconds. The burglar got in by breaking and crawling through a window, and he doesn't tear up the place. He walks past multiple items he could steal, but he doesn't take them. Instead, he immediately goes to the desk and puts his hand under it as if he's looking for something specific, but he doesn't find whatever he seems to be looking for, and then on his way back out the window, he grabs the shop's iPad. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, again it seems kind of strange that this is his sister-in-law's store and that if he, whoever this person is, looks like they have been there before and they're looking for something specific that they're familiar with the store. So Which that's how a lot of burglars case, you know, chase true, the place they're going to break into, right? But he's not really in burglar attire and he's not stealing anything. That's true. To not wearing anything to conceal his identity, so. To be fair though, I guess if you're thinking from the perspective of someone who's trying to get in and out of the store and take as much like valuable items money being obviously the the first thing and then to electronics stuff that's like like yeah maybe there's a bunch of like big amethyst yeah rocks and stuff that are like valuable but if you're stealing and you're a burglar burglar like those. are you gonna go to your your guy that just it's not stuff that's easy to pawn no it so. doesn't seem like a prime target for a burglar in the first place it's like how much is there really to steal at a place like that? You right, know? right. So it is very odd. Now, Kenny's sister-in-law, Susan, is 100% convinced that the man in the video is Kenny. She believes that he broke in to steal the iPad, probably to keep in touch with the outside world. Susan said she took the footage to the Las Vegas Metro Police, but she hasn't heard anything back from them on it. A company that uses facial recognition software to solve crimes lent their services to Kenny's case, and they use their technology to compare the surveillance footage with a photo of Kenny to try and determine a match. But as you just saw, the stills that they grabbed from the video were way too grainy and low quality for the computer to determine whether or not there was a match, so it's still not confirmed whether or not it was Kenny who broke into the store. Also, fingerprints were not taken from the break-in due to the area being a high-traffic area that's touched all the time, so this break-in is still unsolved. Um, and again, no matter what you do to try to enhance this video, or the stills, it's just too grainy. The resolution's super low. I think it's an infrared camera. So the resolution on those are not great in the first place. So not a whole lot you can really conclusively take away from it. But Susan still strongly believes that the man in the video is Kenny. She thinks that Kenny is still alive and that he faked his own disappearance. Not only that, but she believes Sharon helped Kenny disappear and Kenny's family knows where he is. Susan thought that someone took out a life insurance policy on Kenny, so they have reasons for making it seem like Kenny is dead. So far, investigators have found no evidence of any life insurance policies existing. Victoria thinks that the man in the video looks like her father, but she doesn't think it's him. Raymond has also made it clear that he does not think the man is Kenny. 
He's reiterated that Kenny didn't even know about the store, and besides the store moved locations in 2015, Raymond said that he provided the video to police early on. Again, they passed this video on to police right after it happened. It was a burglary, so this video is not exactly breaking news. It was investigated before. Raymond also said that if Kenny was still alive, he wouldn't have stayed in Las Vegas. He would have gone back east to be with a family member. He does say anything's possible, but he does not believe Kenny is still alive. He also said that he believes Kenny was depressed. So his daughter, Victoria, says that she has a gut feeling that her dad is still out there and that suicide doesn't seem to her like something he would do. And if she found out that her dad was hiding out somewhere, she'd be a little upset, but still be happy. And if he wanted to be left alone, she would respect his wishes. It took many years for Sharon to get out hiking again. She always loved hiking with Kenny and they made the best memories so it was just too much for her to get out there for a while. But now she's able to take short day hikes with friends. But these hikes, according to her, never topped the fun that she had with Kenny. But it's a way that she's able to find peace and honor his memory. She still misses him very much and would like to see him found one day. And now almost a decade later, the M cave and Kenny's disappearance are still big mysteries for people in the online sleuth community. People on the internet have been trying to figure out what happened to Kenny since he went missing, and it's probably due in large part to the strangeness of the case. I mean, it's very intriguing, but I also think it's because of his larger-than-life personality, his, you know, thrill-seeking ways, and his almost childlike interest in the world that really spoke to people. People he had never met were just kind of moved by his spirit. I mean, I certainly felt that way after watching videos of him. He's just an interesting soul. So I've been using aluminum-free deodorant for years now, and I've tried so many brands, and I have to say I have officially found my latest favorite brand of aluminum-free deodorant, and that is Lumi. And let me tell you why it's so unique and different than any other brand out there. The biggest thing for me is that you can use it everywhere. Everywhere, folks. Anywhere in your body you can think of, you can use Lumi. And it's created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how normal BO was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. It's clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. And how do they do that? Well, unlike some deodorants that try to mask odor with fragrance, Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop odor before it even starts. It's almost like a pre-odorant. It's aluminum-free, baking soda-free, and paraben-free, and it's pH-balanced and safe to use below the belt. And I just cannot get over how good Lumi smells. Oh my God, I don't know how they do it, but it is so strong and lasts all day. There will be times throughout the day where I just get a whiff of myself and I'm like, wow, I still smell good. I also really like their deodorant wipes. They're great for after workouts. I love that they come in a cream form, so it's not just a classic stick. Lumi starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, and two free products of your choice. You can get a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and you get free shipping on that. And as for a special offer for our listeners, new customers get $5 off their Lumi starter pack with code MILEHIRE at lumideodorant.com. That's Lumi spelled L-U-M-E deodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code MILEHIGHER. I highly recommend it, guys. Check it out. So there are a lot of people out there who want to see this case solved, ideally by finding Kenny alive. But even recovering his body if he passed would bring, you know, a lot of peace to people and especially to his loved ones. Las Vegas Metro Police believe that Kenny died by suicide, but they've said that until they find a body or other evidence, 
this is very much an unsolved active missing persons case. So if you have any information on the disappearance of Kenny or Kenneth Lee Veach, please contact the Las Vegas Metro Police at 1-702-828-2907. This one is really, really difficult, man. Um, I find it really hard to sort of land on a theory myself. I think the wishful thinking side of me likes to believe that he did leave his phone there and he staged his, his disappearance and when started a new life. But how realistic is that, especially if he didn't have help from someone else? Well, um, I, I think I would believe that more if there wasn't all this other evidence to suggest that he was yeah. having suicidal ideation. And, and there's a lot. There's just a, almost an overwhelming amount of evidence that points to that unfortunately but one one question i really do have is if that m cave was actually real if it did exist yeah that's or the big question here right one of the big questions like was this just like a work of fiction from him did he believe that he actually saw it too that's you know another part of this is it's possible he had thought he had seen this cave especially if you're out in the desert it's common to you know hallucinate see things that aren't actually there or to see another cave and think it was something different or kind of, you know. Well, it's like, my thing is he's such an experienced hiker that why, you know, why did he not like mark it somehow? I mean, if he had his phone, there'd be yeah. a number of ways to mark his location to like know where it was. And it seems like he was very, you know, we know he had financial troubles. He was running out of money and, you know, he started making YouTube videos. And I think he quickly, you know, as his videos started gaining popularity, he realized that there's a, there's a huge viewership for, for people who follow these types of, of creators that go out. I mean, there's a large number of channels that go out and explore these areas. I mean, if you just Google MK on YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, you just search it. There's I mean, there's tons of of these types of people that go out and adventure into these types of places and in the middle of nowhere and and search abandoned mines and caves and things like that. And they actually do yeah. really well. Mm -hmm. And so part of me thinks he he made M Cave up because it intrigued people that there's this cave that, you know, gave off vibration and and made him feel a certain type of way and spooked him out which and is possible it's, it's I mean, it is possible area. i'm not saying it's not possible but i'm like from a very logical point of view i think mm -hmm. the most logical reasoning for it is that it created intrigue in the viewers and the viewers were starting to come back i mean his video has 3.2 million views but that's also after yes he after went, of course you know. yeah so it wasn't like 3.2 million at the time he dropped it but and you got to think about this was a while back when it was hard to become a youtube partner um you like had to i can't remember what it was but i had to reach a certain like threshold before i could make any money off of youtube videos totally so i don't know how much that was his plan because there is a lot of people who think you know he left those comments to then draw people over to his YouTube channel because he was struggling financially. But I don't know if it was like that elaborate. And to be honest with you, based on just watching his videos and kind of like trying to get him, get to know him through them, he doesn't seem like somebody who would be just like blatantly no. lying about something no. as like basic as something that, that he saw in the desert. I mean, and he doesn't seem like a lot of those people out there who post videos are like, oh, I saw this wild stuff, I, mm -hmm. you know, and there's no evidence to back it up. And this isn't all that wild. He's just saying there's a cave with the entrance shaped in an M that made me feel weird. 
And wouldn't vibrations. there be, if he was really trying to draw people into his YouTube channel, wouldn't he have made a video about it or tried to bring people in that way? It's kind of a strange approach to just leave a, a comment somewhere, you know? And it's not, it didn't seem like he was putting that much work into the channel. Like he was really trying to become, it, it seemed like that was his way to share things with people and to get his ideas out there. But was that his overall goal was to become this creator and, you know, earn, make a career out of YouTube? I, I just don't see that. Yeah. Back in like 2012. Yeah. When he started. Mm -hmm. Probably not. I mean, no, it's a different time back then. No, and people weren't even like very aware of monetization or how that worked. And yeah, I don't even think that was on his mind. Of course, I don't know. That's just kind of my thoughts. But so if he did find this cave that was emitting this, this, these vibrations from it, what do you think that's about? I mean, I do find it interesting that he is very close to this bombing range and to Nellis Air Force Base and you know as we know that area is very protected there's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot of theories around in in just the surrounding desert around where this air force base is there's all sorts of devices out there cameras sensors that they know when people are snooping around even beyond the the fences right so mm -hmm. there's some theories like did he did he stumble upon something he wasn't supposed to see and you know, they were aware that maybe he found something. I mean, I think if we go back to, I go back to Bob Lazar's testimony in S4, and S4 was like literally in the side of a mountain that they were holding yeah. UFOs in, you know, mm -hmm. down spacecraft in. So is it yeah, like, is him. it possible that in these mountain ranges in the remote areas, they have other bases like S4 beyond yeah. what's declassified at this point, and maybe he got too close to one of them and of they snatched it's possible. him. Yeah. And, he disappeared without a trace because he was somewhere where he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, based on whistleblower, it sounds like people disappear all the time within the these these deep black projects. So it is a possibility that maybe he came across something government. There's also possibility he came across some unexplained phenomena. You know, like out there in the desert, whether that be you know some people theorize aliens or whatever, but. Mm -hmm. I think there's other possibilities. Well, if you want to get really Portals deep with the theory, yeah, what if the M cave was some sort of portal? Some portal to another dimension and he or something. Did find it, went through it. Yeah. Obviously that's I'm just throwing it out there. That's yeah. not really what I land on, but it's it's no, interesting it's just, to think about. Mhm. Mm it's definitely a theory. Mhm. Mm but I mean as as much of those are interesting and yeah. always intriguing to talk about it. This one in particular, I it's hard to ignore the obvious signs, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, you got to take into consideration what his, what the people closest to him think. And of course, it seems like they all kind of think different things. Um, Sister-in-law thinks he's still out there. Daughter thinks he's still out there. Starting over is but a lot Sharon, harder than you think. Sharon spent a lot of time with him and yeah. for her to say that she thinks he took his life and you know the conversations that they had it seemed like he really opened up to her. Of course there are people out there who think that Sharon's just saying that and but there you know police found evidence of things on his computer and seemed like he was in a really dark headspace. It's hard to imagine what it would be like to be in that position and you know it's like from the outside looking in, I'd think, well, wouldn't he have left a note or something or 
maybe he thought it would be easier for his friends and family to accept his death if they didn't or to not know whether or not he died. Maybe he thought that would be an easier route for them to think maybe he died doing what he loves. Well, Especially because he yeah. found his dad like that. Yeah. And was like, I don't want to put my, you know, loved ones through what I sadly had to experience. Right. But one thing that I've kind of thought about is what if he wasn't planning to take his life, but and he, he went out there and he was trying to find the cave and whether or not it really existed or if it was in his head to him, it was real and he believed it and he's online and he's telling people he's going to go find this cave and he's kind of like building it up and he's out there looking for the cave, doesn't find the cave and starts feeling extremely down on himself. And it's like, Oh, I'm going to, what am I going to go back now and be like, Oh, never mind. It was, it's, you know, I can't find Still it find and it, yeah. kind of accept defeat and feel like a loser. And, you know, in that moment, did he become, you know, in a really dark place and then kind of decide to take his life in that moment, but not necessarily have this whole plan, elaborate plan, elaborate to go out plan. There. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what I think. Mm -hmm. Like, if it is suicide, I'm not sure if he really had like this full plan to My go thing out there. Is, why didn't he take the video camera? He took it every time he went out there. Yeah, that is So he weird. left the video camera at home. There's yeah. the notes on the computer. There's the Google search. It's just like. I think his comments to the Sharon comments too, yeah. about how like, you know, no one would find me. Like, I, I do think that. Well, I, I do think that unfortunately he took his own life um, that day. But I also think it was on some level intentional that he not be found because I'm yeah. sure he was well aware that, you know, it's such a vast area full of caves and stuff that like. It, it really would be like impossible, not not impossible, mm -hmm. but very difficult, very difficult to find him. And I, I think that I mean, I, I, I cannot wrap my head around how horrific that must have been to like see find his father. And I could imagine mm -hmm. him not ever wanting to put anyone through that, but still wanting, unfortunately, to to end his life. Yeah. And I think. I think it is just like a lot for the family. To maybe accept or consider even the possibility that he was sad enough or, you know, going yeah. through enough things to take his own life. It's, it's like a difficult thing for a lot of people to accept. So I think, I think that all kind of like ties in together. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think the phone being placed there makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's like, like he was trying to make it seem like I accidentally fell down a mine shaft and and maybe he did. But he maybe. knows that they would search that specific one and that they would right. find him. And Right. True. But I mean, when you're in that state of mind, I mean, who knows how how far you're really thinking that through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you may not be able to think. But again, he's there's infinite caves that he could be in, infinite mine shafts. And there is also the possibility that even if that was the original goal that he just came across... I mean, cartel operates out there. There's all sorts of people that live out there that are not people you'd want to cross paths with. Could I mean, have made him put. That's his why phone he. Down I mean, that's really why he carried a weapon out there on his hikes. Be, was because there is little camps of of people out there, and uh, I know there's some people that have hiked in this area that have claimed being out there and seeing just some random dude with a shovel digging in the ground and oh stuff. God. And like, I mean, you can imagine yeah. there's probably people buried out there there's crime committed out there so there's also the possibility of maybe he was going out there to end his life but then he just crossed paths with the wrong 
wrong people or, or something and, and they took him or, or murdered him or something like that, which I mean, obviously doesn't really change the end result, but I, mean, I don't know. I, I go back to the camera. He would have taken that. If he was really on a yeah. hike looking for that cave, he would have that camera. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's what seems I, like he I didn't too. want anyone to see yeah. what was going on this out there. This is the final, yeah. final hike. One thing that kind of got me thinking, um, so actually Julia found this article or post on Web Sleuth, and this guy is talking about how his opinion is that Kenny had um, bipolar disorder. And it got me thinking Obviously, I always say this, but I don't want to, you know, randomly diagnose someone, but it is interesting because the way that he acted almost seemed as though he was experiencing some manic episodes, mm-hmm. especially like his, in his videos and stuff. Like he seemed very obsessive with like these creations and was like really on this high and super yeah. motivated and obviously hiking for 12 hours, you know? Yeah, yeah. totally. So was he perhaps bipolar and also high risk behavior like i said going on these very intense hikes purposely not drinking water until he was very very thirsty and dehydrated was he potentially hallucinating this whole m cave thing was he having delusions impulse behavior of quitting his job selling his house you know doing things that are a little bit out of the box and so was he experiencing mania and with that you know typically after manic episodes comes a low and feeling very down. And so, you know, was he unfortunately experiencing a depressive episode and decided that he would be taking his life that way? You know, it, 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 it kind of almost in a way like supports the theory of, yeah, of taking his life. Yeah. All of that makes a lot of sense. I think all signs point to him taking his own life though. Yeah, I do at the end too. Of the day. You can't be for sure, though. No, you never Obviously, know. Obviously, no one, no one truly knows, and I can't imagine as a family member trying to grasp that. And if I were his daughter, I'd probably think that he really did go out and start another life, or you know, you tell yourself things so that you can get through the day. And and maybe she's right. I mean, he could have done that. I think um, also, like, just based off of like her interviews and what she said, it doesn't sound like she's a hundred percent convinced that yeah. he did like fake his own disappearance. It's more like, you know, I have this gut feeling and mm-hmm. suicide mm-hmm. doesn't seem like something he would do. But I think, you know, if she was like, he didn't do this, like yeah. the sister-in-law, Susan is like, you know, he's still out there. He's still out there. She seems more like, yeah, you would maybe have a gut feeling again because it's such a hard thing to accept. Not, this is not me saying this is 100% what happened, but, you know, I think is what's most likely. Yeah, I can understand her being like, yeah, I have a gut feeling. It just doesn't seem like something he would he would do. Yeah. But Well, until they find him or find his, his remains, I mean, or some we'll never know. Evidence, yeah. Or some type of evidence that he left or, or I feel disappeared so. somewhere or was victim of foul play. I mean, yeah. it's going to stay where it is. A part of me honestly wonders if it was... He went out and something, you know, he fell, he tripped, mm-hmm, he got mm-hmm. sick and and he died out there and they just haven't found him. I mean, the desert's huge. Yeah, so, yeah that is possible. You know, it seems less likely than suicide, though, because if something did happen, I mean, there's a higher chance of them finding him. But if he committed suicide, he probably did it somewhere where he, he wouldn't knew be able to be seen. I mean, they difficult. did do extensive searching, too. Yeah, and they did. 
you know, ground, air. So if he did take his own life, he'd likely went into a cave or mm-hmm. into a mine or something, something like, like that. that yeah. Out of view where yeah. he could be easily located. Like versus if he just like succumbed to the elements. I guess he could have succumbed to the elements in a cave or, or mine shaft or something like that. But I think that's kind of at the bottom of the list of what yeah. they have. But regardless, seems like a really really amazing dude i mean he seemed like what he did do in his life was honestly inspiring all the hiking and Mm -hmm. the inventions and just you know he lived life to the fullest he really did yeah i mean not many of us can say we've been hiking for 40 miles or nine or ten hours at a time yeah very driven or have done the things that he've done he he did so Mm mm-hmm but yeah, we want to know your thoughts. Yeah, I definitely want to hear, happened. you know, what other people think as well. I just feel so bad for his daughter, especially, but, yeah. you know, all his loved ones for Sharon to to not know is just the absolute worst thing I can imagine mm-hmm. to have no answers to ponder these thoughts every day. What happened to my dad, my boyfriend, you know, that's just terrible. I really can't imagine being in that position and I, I feel very sorry for them. Um, yeah, I hope they, they get closure one day. Yeah, hopefully we do get answers happened. and we can know what I mean, people are continuing Beach. to go look go look for them and yeah. search for this M cave so you never know someone might stumble upon know. upon them at some point. But, mm-hmm. but that is going to be it for us today. Thanks for joining us. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and we'll see you guys next time. Until then. Keep on taking your mind a mile higher. Thank you.